should admit, I keep holding out hope that one day you guys will get uh, some some French Canadian girl with a cute Quebecois accent on your show. <laughs> um, you know, not, not that that really has anything to do with the quality of the conversation. Just you know, tending to my own little quirks. That's, that's the thing with that is it's like figuring out the time zones. Oh, I could, I see. So that that's part of the. That's part of the whole uh, recruiting process. Is you can't yeah. live any any further west than like Spain, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 189 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. We are at the end of 2017, people. It has been a difficult year on a lot of fronts, but uh, we made it. It's it's December. Um, you know, the, you're hearing about year-end lists already, even though it's only uh, by the time this show goes live, the uh, the 18th of December, and um, it's it's time to reflect back and take comfort in what we achieved and make plans for new achievements and um you know enjoy the spirit of the holiday season around the world and i do mean around the world because today i've got a guest on the show who's uh calling in from quite some distance and i always love when she calls in from quite some distance um and i certainly love having her on the show this time of year it's kind of like i'm having over at my place for christmas even though you don't celebrate christmas do you not particularly. No. <laughs> no, not particularly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my head. I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. Um, that voice you just heard. I, I watch. I watch like I watch holiday movies. Okay. And, like I, and I you. I don't do it anymore. But like as a kid, I used to get like one of those small uh, Christmas trees. Oh, okay. I'm saying as a kid, a few years ago, I made a Christmas tree with like pictures of like hot actors and all. I like, I like this idea. I think next year you gotta yeah. bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that voice is one of the three co-hosts on Across the Universe. We are across a wire to Dubai in the United Emirates talking to one of the three co-hosts on Across the Universe. Nikath Zara is here. How are you now that I've got my ducks in a row and get my whole long-winded introduction out of my mouth? I'm good. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you so much. On episode 189, we will be discussing The Last Jedi. We will be taking a minute to turn the record over and play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Nick. This is Know Your Enemy. Nick first appeared on episode 80, where we discussed Oz the Great and Powerful, a movie that I'd almost forgot even existed. The, we learned in that show that the first film she'd ever seen in the theater was something Bollywood that she could not clearly remember, but Titanic, which she could. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Virgin Suicides. The worst film she'd ever seen was Legally Blondes, plural, that's the third part of the Legally Blonde films with Reese Witherspoon. The unseen classic or essential were any Sanjaya Ray films. She's seen a few since then. And the film she wished she'd made was any of the Harry Potter uh, movies. Next, she appeared on episode 111, where we discussed a much better movie, Only Lovers Left Alive. We learned the film she digs that nobody else does is Space Jam. The movie everybody else likes that she doesn't is The Hurt Locker. The last movie to make her cry was Edward Scissorhands. In her, the movie of her life, she'd be played by Jenna Coleman, one of the companions from Doctor Who. And next, she was going to be watching The Host. So it's time for round three. Nick, what is a movie that always makes you laugh? A 
and okay, I don't know if this counts as a movie even because it's shorter than like some television episodes, but it's Seven Days in Hell. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard of this. Andy Samberg, Kit Harrington mockumentary that they made. Oh, no, that totally I counts. Think. Yeah, and uh, it's it was, I, 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 I talked about it, in one, I think it was Matt's last episode, like it was like movies that make us happy. And this is like 46 minutes long. <laughs> but every second of it is so funny. Every second. There are jokes within jokes within jokes in this movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, there's lots of insanity in it. It just it goes on like weird tangents. Like it's about this like historic match between this American and British, like a Wimbledon match between these two uh, tennis players. And uh, and then but in the middle, like they start talking about like some like courtroom artist. And then there's like there's a lot of nudity, but like on both sides, which like bless Andy Samberg. It's just it's insane. It's really really funny. So, I mean, I love lots of movies. I love, like, you know, I love Edgar Wright and stuff. But, like, this one, like, for the short amount of time, like, it, it's complete. Like, I watched this, you know, like, if you're in a bad mood or something, like, this is a really good movie because it's, like, short enough so that you're not, like, you know, you can, like, commit to it, but it will be totally worth your time. Okay. So, so I didn't yeah. realize that John Hamm narrates this this movie? Yes. Yeah. And that's, like, every, June Squibb is, like, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> like it's just like the weirdest cast, but it's amazing. Yeah, and she's like she's like flipping Andy Samberg off, and it's amazing. It's oh so good. man. Okay, so you know what? Like this is I've seen this on my TV when I've been flipping around. I've passed by it so many times, and I've totally like for, not not taken the bait on watching it. But um, first of all, hearing about how funny it is and how mu- how much joy it brings you. And, you know, things like John Hamm narrating and June Squibb is the queen. Okay, I really need to watch this now. So basically, I'm now considering this your Christmas present to me. So thank you for that. Um, (laughs) And uh, I'll... I'll It's very, very not safe for work. It's very what? Like, it's, it has a lot of nudity. Oh, like okay. cartoon and real life, yeah. I, I mean, nudity is always funny, right? So that, that's, that's yeah. probably part of the allure. Okay, very cool. What was a film that left you speechless? Okay, uh, this is uh, Xavier Dolan's Mommy. Which oh, I had, okay. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I had gone with a bunch of my friends. It was playing in the Kolkata Film Festival the year it came out. And all of us were really excited because we were big fans of his work. And we went to watch it. And, you know, it was like a bunch of us girls. And after that, we had to go to like another theater to watch another movie. So we like we were sitting in a bus. After the movie, like none of us could talk to each other. Hmm. We were just sitting in complete silence in this bus going from one place to another until like one of my friends is like, like if I start talking, I'm just going to start crying now. Hmm. So it was just like, it was, yeah, it was just like all of us were like completely overwhelmed and we are, we are, we are very talkative people. So like for all of us to just like shut up like that, <laughs> so it was, it was like, it was impactful. You know what's funny about that is that it's it's those down to earth movies that really affect us, isn't it? Like when you think about um, some yeah. of those grand sweeping epics, like some of those movies, like kind of like Titanic or back in the day, like Gone with the Wind or or th- those kinds of really grand movies that seem to really be tugging on the heartstrings. Um, you know, the the melodramas, like the hours, even they don't tend to have that same kind of sharpness that just a normal movie about normal people 
told in a very low key way tends to have. Cause I remember being really affected by mommy as well, which is strange because it's just such a subtle movie. It, it's, I think it's also because like the way it was made, right? Like you're completely immersed in their world. You know, it feels alive to me. Like it's very dynamic. It's just, it's a very, I don't know. It's a very moving film. I can't, I can't, I still can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I mean, it's kind of funny because and all the times I've ever asked that question, it's actually been, you know, something that somebody can articulate well after the fact, but it's, it's, you know, you're right. It, it, if a movie leaves you speechless, sometimes it just, full on leaves you of I know it really affected me but I can't articulate why so it's I mean maybe that's a sign that it really did hit you where it hurts because you you still have trouble articulating your feelings yeah even even the uh, the song that is there in like the montage towards the end experience yeah by, it's some classic song <laughs> but I have it and I can't like I can't actually if, if I listen to it I'll become instantly sad oh wow you know it's that song. It's just like, it's like that. I don't know. This movie, like, I, and I love this movie so much. So, oh, man. yeah, it, it's one of those movies I wish, like, I wish I had made, but I know I probably can't. Yeah. So, no, that, that's, yeah. A, that's a really good choice. I'm actually, I'm well overdue for a rewatch of that movie. So I think I will have to go back sometime soon. What was a movie, and interpret this in any way you like, what was a movie that made your love of film turn a corner? Again, I think I've written about this, but uh, this uh, it's Purple Rose of Cairo from Woody Allen, um, which is, this was the movie that I saw, I saw, I think when I was 16 or 17 years old. I have like a horrible review of it on my blog, which like now defunct, almost defunct blog, like it, it, it's not a review, it's like a recap, like mm-hmm. I just like written down what happens in the movie. But um, yeah, that, that movie... Uh, like if the character in it of Mia Farrow's uh, Cecilia, like I have never related to a movie character more, huh. because like especially in the last scene, because like you know if you remember the movie, you know it's like she it's it's set in the Great Depression, so she has like a very horrible life, and then she gets like this huge like magic realism like way of like happiness, like it comes to her, you know, like it's it seems like everything is going to go well and then everything gets tugged away from her all over again and she's probably in a worse place than she was before than before and then she just goes to the movies at the end and she's completely swept away by what she's watching and I saw that and I'm like that is me (laughs) like whatever like is happening in the world you know whatever is happening to me that is like my that is my place that is my place and that was the movie that I mean, the reason that I chose it, that was the movie that made me want to become a filmmaker. Hmm. Because I'm like, if I can make something that will make someone else feel the way this movie made me feel, that's what I want to do. That's fantastic. I, You know what? I could swear this summer that one of my other guests, um, Ariel Fisher, who's actually, spoiler alert, actually is going to be on the year-end show in two weeks. Um, I could swear that was actually her choice for the movie that made her love of film turn a corner as well. Um, it's, you know, and you know what? I'm still remiss to say I've never seen it. Ma- oh, shit, did I? Oh, I just, did I? Oh, God, I just spoiled it. Did no, I no, it's like, I, I knew about it. I, I've, I've known... Okay. I've known a lot of details about it, and I think that I, I've, I've long said that knowing the details and going into a film anyway 
um, and enjoying it anyway. That's the mark of a true film. I mean, yeah, you know, when I st- first when I first started getting into film, I knew that Rosebud was the sled. It wasn't really yeah. about <laughs> that, you know. It, it was about the experience, like what yeah. you described, the experience of being so engaged by a film that you want to make them for yourself. Um, and, and now, you know what, I'm really thinking if I'm correct and I'm going to, when this show is over, I'm going to call up Ariel Fisher's episode and make sure, um, if I'm correct that two of you have told me that this was the film that made your love of film turn a corner in the same six months, basically, I really need to move this up my list and see it before the year is out. Um, yeah, I know. I, I mean, as, as problematic as like loving Woody Allen themes, yeah, but like, you know, like he, he, this his like that point of my life like at 16 17 like he was very very influential in my love for movies mm-hmm. and this was like the movie and I, so it just it completely blew me away and i still you know like i th- like i was thinking like the last time i felt like that like the ending of la la land yeah made me feel like cecilia in this movie just like that was like the magic of like cinema for me oh, wow. so i was just like i love this movie i haven't seen it in a really long time since it's just, it's just, I'm going to be a speechless, like talking about, this is such an amazing movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. I will definitely make, yeah. make effort to watch this before the year is out. I, I will move it to the very, very top of my queue. And as I said, I'll consider that a, a Christmas gift from you and I guess from Ariel as well. Um, and, and yeah, you know, like you bring up it being problematic to like Woody yeah. Allen movies, but I, 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 somebody actually pointed it out on uh, like on a really good essay a little while ago that when we consider who we used to be and who these people were when we came across this work there's really no shame in holding on to it you don't necessarily you know you can draw a line and say i'm not going to support any future work but i don't think that anybody any of us should you know, close off parts of who we grew up being because somebody has gone out there and done something terrible. So Mm -hmm. if you want to draw a line in time and say everything that happens after this, I'm just not going to support. I think that that's, that that's, I really think that that's possible when it comes to artists like Woody Allen and, you know, anybody else that you want to talk about, because we're going to be losing a lot of artists in very short order um, in the time ahead. What is your sick day movie? Earlier, it used to be Michael Cera movies. Huh. <laughs> Any Michael Cera movies. Scott Pilgrim, Juno, Superbad, they'll all make me happy. It's uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, okay. It's such a happy, like, fun movie. It just makes me feel good. And it's not very long. You know, you can't like, sit for very long when you're sick watching a movie. So it's like a good good length. Oh, no, and I'm, I'm the just... opposite. If I'm sick, I put on, like, Dr. Zhivago. Oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because I can fall asleep and wake up and fall asleep, and the movie's still going. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. But yeah, no, it's like this. This is the movie that makes me feel like it makes me feel good, and like it's just it's such a fun movie. Is so, like yeah. it's I guess that that's kind of like having company over, right? Because they're always talking yeah. right to camera. Like, are you are you like really especially drawn in by mockumentaries these days? Because that's two that you've mentioned. Yeah, I know, right? I don't know, but I, I'm not though. But these two are my current faves. Mm. So, um, um, is it something about like the humor of Takai Watiti as well? Because I would imagine then if that's the case that Ragnarok would be joining your list, no? It's not there yet, but I do love 
I loved Ragnarok a lot, and uh, but like, it's also like, and I love vampires. Oh, okay. And it's like fun to like, you know, like I like it, it's like again like only lovers left alive. You know? it's, it's a genre kind of genre that I love, but it's so rare to see like weird takes on it, like different right. other takes on it. So this is like such a unique take on it, and it's so funny again. Okay. So and then there's werewolves and stuff, so it's it's just great. Now you don't find that when you're sick, if you're watching something funny, that it you know aggravates a cough or something. It's worth it. It's really short. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, last but not least, what's a movie quote that would be your epitaph? This was really difficult. Um, I, I have actually I had picked out my epitaph like years ago, <laughs> and it's <laughs> I, I'm that, I'm that I was that teenager. I was gonna like, say. Like, yeah, uh, and it's and it's it's like someone else's epitaph that I'm just gonna steal. Sure. Uh, it's it's got it says it's excuse my dust by Dorothy Parker, and it's like so cool. So I had I have already chosen that, but for the movie thing, I was like, should I go ironic or should I go sincere? My brother's like, please choose something from the room because he's just watched the room. And I'm like, I can't put something no. from the room on my no. epitaph. That's just insane. So. Yeah, so I had to find like a middle ground. So I've gone with uh, the limit does not exist from Mean Girls. <laughs> I think that's like that's kind of clever. Are you okay, that's, that's... it's like it's a little bit profound, but but it's like it's very me. So <laughs> I think I think that's the one I'm gonna go. With. Yeah. yeah. You didn't want to go with boo, bitch. No, <laughs> that's smart though. Like I was like, should I? Will I? Will I? Should I put like? dash mean girls next to it like you know because like it'll be funny if someone thinks it's really profound and then they find out it's from mean girls but then i'm like are people really that smart no no i should just tell them it's from mean girls uh, you so know, it, yeah that should be like that should be like your quiz like if you if you give somebody that quote and see if they know where it's from you know that that's yeah. that, that's a sign that they're your kind of people exactly very so, nice yeah all right, we will find out more about Nick when we invite her back and however long it takes my dragging feet to get her back on this show. So take a, take a guess at about two years. Um, but for now, we're going to move on to the new slang. Um, we should say that the new slang for this episode is going to be The Last Jedi. And both Nick and I would agree that you should just go see this movie. You shouldn't be reading too much. You shouldn't be looking at too much. Um, there's a lot of talk about spoilers and we're going to divide our uh, conversation into two sections. We are going to have a relatively spoiler-free conversation to begin things with and then get into a section where we really tear it apart to the nuts and bolts, down to the bitter end. Um, but we really believe that you should just go see this movie. So if you haven't seen The Last Jedi, go take a look at it. If you want to listen to a little bit about it and not have the whole thing given away, come on back after this. And if you've seen it and you want to hear it to the bitter end, we've got a lot coming up on the new slang. The Last Jedi right after this. Star Wars The Last Jedi is directed and written by Ryan Johnson. It stars Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, Donald Gleason, 
and on and on and on with a very, very, very large cast set in just moments after the end of The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi begins with the Resistance on the run. You may recall that before Starkiller Base was destroyed in The Force Awakens, it got off a pretty good first shot and destroyed much of the leadership of the Republic and the leadership of the Resistance. And now it has the fleet cornered. A few dozen ships, a few hundred souls, try and survive and keep hope lit. On that front... The way is led by General Leia, who is continually at loggerheads with Captain Poe Dameron for his impulsive actions. Meanwhile, in the hopes of getting away from the oncoming First Order, Finn joins up with an engineer named Rose to find a codebreaker talented enough to smuggle into a First Order Star Destroyer. Finally, at the same time all that is happening, down on the remote planet of Actu, Rey is trying to persuade Luke Skywalker to tutor her in the ways of the Force and join the fight with the Resistance. The Jedi Master is reluctant, since he is self-flagellating over his mistakes, teaching Kylo Ren. All of this will come together in a grand way, as only a Star Wars film can do. We are constantly at the mercy of the Hollywood hype machine, and trying to drown out the noise of its gears and cogs that can sometimes be a fool's errand. These are properties. These are labels. These are brands. They are sold to us for months and years ahead of time comes to watch. This film has been stoked almost since the moment the last film ended, and it's been going for a fever pitch since the teaser dropped in May. So prop quiz, hotshot. Was this movie what you expected it to be? No. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, so I went into this not as like a Star Wars movie, but Ryan Johnson's Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. But that was what I was more interested in. And I don't know, it was just like nothing that I expected. I just, I didn't think, I also did, what I usually, you know, like, I guess all of us have a habit, like film lovers, like we usually rewatch all the previous things that lead up to the sequel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do that this time. Good. I was like, let's just go in blind, because that because you a lot a lot of the times what happens is like those movies are constantly playing in your head while you're watching this. But a part of me thinks I should have still watched them because I liked it, but I don't know what I expected and I don't know what I got. Okay, I would say this is not what I expected at all. Actually, I uh, I would say that this is the first original uh, Star Wars film since The Return of the Jedi. The prequels and The Force Awakens and certain elements of Rogue One all felt like, you know, kind of scrambled versions of the same story or beholden yeah. to the same beats of mm -hmm. what George Lucas laid out in the late 70s and the early 80s. This, on the other hand, felt like something very, very different. This felt like it was out to do different things, to move, the, to finally move the needle forward. As much as I loved The Force Awakens, it really felt like it was pressing the reset button by taking us back to the beginning. This is the first mm -hmm. movie where, in tone and in structure and in pace, it did not feel like everything else that's come before. So as far yeah. as what I expected, this is not what I expected, and that's a really good thing. I thought it had two endings. Okay. 
like I thought it was going to end at one point and then it didn't and then I just kept waiting for it to end even though I was enjoying what was happening right so that kind of messed up like my overall experience of it like I feel like I have like watched something that is strictly a middle mm-hmm. like I don't think it's a complete film no, really. Okay. I you know what? Yeah. I that that's the kind of thing that actually affects me an awful lot. I've I've taken a lot of films and franchises to task. Um what where was where was that coming into play for you with the last Jedi? I don't because because I thought it was going to end at one point and then it didn't end there. So it just kind of like messed with my head. So I was a little bit like confused thinking like oh it's going to end now or maybe it's going to end now. Okay, it's going to end now. You know, it was like that was happening to me while I was watching it. Like, I really think I have to rewatch it okay. now that I've seen it to like fully like the movie. And that has that's the thing that's happened with like previous Ryan Johnson movies for me. Yeah, like, I like them more on a secondary watch. So I think that will happen again. Uh, but it was just the expectation again. It was just like you know, because again, like even as much as I'm not a big Star Wars fan, you know, that's what that's the thing. Like you thought like there would be like some elements from the previous movies that will be there but they weren't there so it was like a confusing but enriching experience okay now another question for you since you brought it up you were talking about how this is a film that was all middle and it had you know several endings what are your thoughts on the beginning because this is also the first star wars film ever really not to begin at a jump of time. All the other movies usually have several months, if not several years go by in between chapters. And this is the first one to begin right after the last movie. Did that, did you find that that really threw you? No, no. Okay. I didn't, I didn't go into it thinking anything like that. So I was, I liked it though. I like, I like the fact that it begins immediately after that. I thought that was cool, but like, I didn't really think anything of it. Okay. Other, other, other than that. Yeah, I I think I liked it. More. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure I liked it more than you um, on first watch. I I I, did, yeah. I wasn't over the moon with it. I think because I was so um, discombobulated with its pace and with with the story it was trying to tell, I've become kind of so conditioned as to what a Star Wars film is. A Star Wars film is kind of a chase to start it. And then a whole bunch of middle, and then usually one great big battle to end it. Yeah. Without, without giving anything away, that is not how this movie shakes down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there is an action sequence at the beginning, and there is an action sequence at the end, but it's not nearly the sort of thing that we've come to expect from these movies. And I do wonder, and I do actually really think, that that is the influence of ryan johnson you brought up his filmmaking Mm -hmm. before if people aren't familiar with the name ryan johnson is the guy who made looper he made brick um he made he was he actually did a lot of episodes of uh breaking bad and um also a small movie that you should see called the brothers bloom if you've never seen it um and this is really a new voice in terms of the storytelling in the star wars franchise because i mean gareth edwards was there to kind of fill in a blank with rogue one and 
J.J. Abrams, who did The Force Awakens, is kind of a fanboy. Like I like him, but he's, he's not really going to do anything different than what Steven Spielberg yeah. and George Lucas did. Ryan Johnson is a very different storyteller, and even though some of his beats, as you're saying, may slightly be disjointed, he's also doing a lot of different things with this script that I really dug. Once we go into the spoiler territory, I can talk about that better. Like The things that he did like that I really liked, those yeah yeah well we'll, we will come back to that because i mean one of this movie's um most iconic and most memorable moments again is something i've never seen in a star wars film and really felt like it was a ryan johnson touch so we'll come back to that um to break up the story first we've got we've got the pairing of kylo and ray in this movie and uh, you know I, i like watching adam driver and daisy ridley play off each other um yeah. and watching these two characters play off each other there's a lot of this movie where they have this kind of telekinetic conversation so it's almost kind of like they're having a FaceTime conversation without the screen <laughs> um how do you what what did you think of that end of the the story of Kylo and Rey and kind of figuring out where they fit into all this chaos Yeah I I think Kylo was my favorite character Really Um you gotta, yeah You got to think for the I, villains I, huh I did. <laughs> It's more than that. Okay. But I just I that, that's also the kind of character I usually do like. Like I like the the whole like like versus dark thing. I love Ray. Uh Ray is like a way better. That's like one of my pro- that has always been one of my problems with like the original Star Wars movies. I really dislike Luke. Okay. He's boring. Well, yeah. Okay, like yeah, I just he was just such a boring protagonist. So the moment in Force Awakens that Rey comes she's like she's literally like she's so magnetic and she's so cool. So I love Rey and she, I think like they continue with on that like uh like her characteristics don't really change that much in Last Jedi but like with Kylo it just makes it a very interesting dynamic and it it just I I liked like I, I was really interested in what will ha- what will Kylo do yeah because like and I don't know if I you want something like you like there were there are lots of like, like really fun characters but that was like the one character that I had I had, I had like I had invested in so that's why he was my favorite and I do I love like their scenes together I think for me the thing that I like most about their their oh. scenes together and their relationship is that it's difficult to describe they're not fraternal they're not like they, they, they don't relate in a way like brother and sister they certainly don't relate in a romantic way and they also don't quite relate like enemies they're this weird yeah. mix of all three that you don't yeah. really see on film very often so yeah. i i like a big part of that i think comes down to how um adam driver and daisy ridley were playing the scene i think it's how um Ryan Johnson directed them together the the tone of their conversations is really fascinating um you know especially in a way that it's it's kind of shot it's usually shot in the way that they're not in the same room um so I'm not sure if they when they were shooting these things if one of them was standing in front of the other off camera or if they just had to mm-hmm. kind of make it up yeah. but it's 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 beautiful chemistry to watch unfold it is now you mentioned him so let's jump straight <laughs> to him Uh you mentioned Luke. Now the last time we saw Luke, 
well, the, not, the, not the last. The last time we saw Luke, he was taking off his hood and saying nothing. Before that, the last time we saw Luke, he was kind of being an impetuous little child. Has has time been kind to Luke Skywalker for you? In the way that he's not boring anymore. Yes. Like yeah, it, yeah, I think so. Like I kind, I liked what they did with his character. I liked what they were trying to show. It was more. It was interesting to me. Uh, yeah, like I liked. I liked Luke in this. I thought maybe like Mark Hamill was a little bit ham, <laughs> but that's what he does. But uh, yeah, it. I know exactly. So, but it was. It was. But again, like I did not expect his and Ray's relationship to go that way. Yeah, like, I really thought it would be like. It will be very like you know like he's going to be all like gruffy and like uh, but then she's going to like impress him and then there'll be like training sequences. <laughs> Which, I, yeah, again, you know that what, didn't happen. Yeah, when we talk about the expectations of this movie, I you know again when we thought that it was going to follow the similar beats, I thought Luke was going to be some little in between of Obi Wan and Yoda. That 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 there would be lots of training sequences and lots of tutoring and that kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't really expect him to be the grump on the hill, which is what he spends most of this movie being and also very angry at what the Jedi have become, right? Like he he's become very introspective out on this little island surrounded by those porg. Um, as, as one does when one is on an island surrounded by Porg. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see because he brings up some really interesting points on who the Jedi were and what they meant and what they did and what they didn't do, despite the fact that we think that they were this, these, you know, beacons of light. Um, Hamill, you know, Hamill's not an amazing actor. He usually just like he's I, I think there's a reason why he's become a great voice talent. Um, but I thought I thought he did. He did really well to to kind of make Luke something different and something special. You know, the the other thing that's cool about this movie is that you kind of get a new team and a new relationship to look at in the way that you've got Rose and Finn. Um, I I didn't know. Yeah. I, obviously, I didn't know like anything about that pairing or that they were going to be a thing. How did you like them as a team and their entire plot thread? I like them. I really like the girl. I've forgotten her name. I like one of the few things that went like I was trying to avoid spoilers, but there was like a lot of buzz about how there's an Asian female character who people are really loving. So I was really excited to see who that was and. Uh, I thought she was really good. Uh, I don't, I don't know about like their relationship as such, but like they were like a fun pair, and I liked how it, where it ended with them. That was like more interesting. But maybe because like the whatever comes before um, made it that way. But um, while it was happening, it was just entertaining. But like I like the implications of like what was shown with like how the movie ended. Hmm. You know, like I wasn't really thinking, thinking of like what they're trying to say while it was happening as such. Right. But like the way the movie ends, I liked it better in retrospect. Okay. I think what I liked most about Rose as a character, and um, she's played by a young actress named Kelly Marie Tran. What I liked about her as a character is the way she paints, um, you know, a, a woman in the resistance as several things at once. Like when we first see her, she's lost her sister, 
early, in the early going. Her sister is actually mm-hmm. actually does something really heroic um, in the opening moments of this movie, yeah. and she's mourning the loss of her sister. And so we, when we happen upon her, we happen upon her crying, and that's what Finn sees as well. But within short order, she's got her shit together, and she sees that Finn is basically trying to desert the resistance and she basically kicks his ass Mm -hmm. i I like having those things close together because it's like you know okay just because somebody is crying just because a woman is crying doesn't show any kind of weakness and there is a moment within the chaos to still you know give your emotions a chance to let themselves out i would never expect anything like that in a star wars movie and the way uh tran brings that to life with Rose and the way that she articulates what the resistance is in terms of the people at the bottom. Um, because she, she gets a moment mm-hmm. when they go to that casino planet looking for a code breaker. She articulates what it's like to be kind of the grist in the middle of the empire really, really well. So their relationship, I see what you're saying, right? Like their relationship is very much still in flux, but even yeah. just, being able to use Finn as a sounding board for Rose to articulate and demonstrate a lot of this thing, I think was really good. I really, really loved the scene with Rose's sister. Oh like, yeah. That as much, as much as like, you know, the last act of this, it's the last act of the movie is really beautiful to look at. I have that image of her, like when it's half of her face on the screen and she just suddenly gets up and she realizes what she has to do. Like that, was the one shot for whatever reason that stuck in my head Mm. and it was just it was really it was it was very heroic it was very cool and I didn't and like it was tragic and I didn't think it was going to be tragic also so it it left an impact and I was really like I liked and and that's what and then I was like but like you know because people were talking about this Asian female character so I was like that's it and then like Rose comes along and I was like So, uh, but I really, lo- I, I really like the opening sequence, especially because of Rose's sister, who I don't know if we find out her name. Uh, her but, name. But yeah, that that. That's Paige. Paige Tico yeah, so and that, Rose that Tico. had like, that had like stuck out to me. Like just it like that was one of the lasting images of this movie for, for me for whatever reason. Yeah, I, and it's it's um. It's funny because that kind of is emblematic of one of the core themes of this film, which is being able to accept failure. Um, it's you don't expect you don't expect a Star Wars movie to be any kind of a parable for accepting your shortcomings and being able to use it to move forward. And you know, like that that is what that moment is about. That moment is about we are you know, we are about to lose this battle. So how can I lose it in a way that will allow everything to move forward? It's what Poe has to come to grips with. It's what Luke is off on his little island, surrounded by Porg, trying to trying to come to grips with. That we are, there's a quote in this movie that says that we are what we grow beyond. And, you know, it, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Rose is very much emblematic of that in that she has lost somebody very dear to her possibly the only person that she has left in the galaxy, but her heroism yeah. is that she is able to 
grow beyond that loss. We're going to move into a spoiler section in a second, but just in case you don't want to be spoiled and you want to kind of cut the conversation here, we are going to skip ahead to the souvenir and the rating. Um, Nick, you know the drill. A souvenir from The Last Jedi, something tangible or intangible, if you could, that you'd take away from this movie and keep. What is your souvenir from the eighth chapter of the Star Wars saga? Mine is so superficial. That's fine. It's Laura Dern's hair. Oh, yeah. We didn't really talk about Nora Dern, but um, she comes in as uh, as a resistance commander. Um, and and she, yeah. her hair is like purple, isn't it? Yeah, it's purple. It's perfect. I love it. <laughs> her hair. You want to do that with your hair? I was like, should I say the force? No. Should I say the force? But like then I have like I have that image of like Khan saying like, that's not how it works. Yeah. So, no, you I know, like so I was like. Yeah, so her hair, I really want her hair. Because okay. everything that's like BB-8 is from like Force Awakens. You can't really say it's from Last Jedi as such. Right. You know, right. so I think her hair. Um, I, I, that, that, that is actually a really good one. Mine is mine's somewhat superficial, but it's also kind of mean. I want to find out what roast pork tastes like. What? 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 Oh, God. Okay. That took a second. <laughs> there's there's a scene early in this movie where Chewbacca yeah. is on that island where where Luke is has hold himself up and he's got to eat so he's yeah. put one of those pork on a spit on the fire. Um, aside from the fact that then there's a whole bunch of living pork who are absolutely horrified at him, which I think is one of the funniest things ever in this franchise. I was actually looking at it going, but that looks really yummy. I want to know what it tastes like. Fair enough, it's true. Yeah. I didn't really care for the Borgs. No? Like, they were fine. Yeah. No, I don't know. I th- Again, I thought they would have, like, some, like, really, not meaningful, but, like, a, some sort of role, but they were just there to look cute. Yeah. Which I was like, eh, who cares? I, I, I like the, uh, those, those crystal wolves. Thing yeah, they were, they much were much more, much they more had useful. A function. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they had a function. So I, like I, I think my thing with the Porg was that I liked that they were actually not in the way. Usually when you get some sort of a creature, like an Ewok or something like that, you always think, oh God, <laughs> they're going to enter into the actual narrative. So I was glad that they were just, they just happened to be around, that they weren't actually a narrative device. Um, but I, yeah, they, they, they look yummy. Um, okay. So on a scale of one to four stars, Nick Hatzera, <laughs> what do you give Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi? Three. Three. Okay. I, uh, you know, I, I will be interested to see if it grows in your estimation because it sounds like you're curious about it and you want to let it settle. Um, I'm at a three and a half. Yeah. I like. I do think this is, this might be the best Star Wars movie I've seen. It might. It's certainly one of the best Star Wars movies I've seen. I want to let it settle, um, but it's really good for me. It was. It was not what I was expecting. I love being surprised. Um, I, I like where we're at with all these characters and um i'm really really curious to go forward and speaking of going forward um we are going to go into a spoiler section right after this come on back to talk all things down to the bitter end of the force awakens Okay, turn back. This is your last warning if you don't want to be spoiled for 
the newest Star Wars movie, we're going to begin with the fact that Rey and uh, Kylo have their little duel and that it's not, first of all, that it's not a duel to end the movie, um, that it's a duel to really reset the board and that it kills off um, Supreme Leader Snoke. That is something I really did not see coming. I thought if, first of all, I, I never thought for a second that Snoke wouldn't survive the movie. And I certainly yeah. didn't think that he wouldn't even survive act two. That to me was one of the biggest surprises of this movie. Yeah. So my, I saw it with my brother and my brother like screamed with excitement when that happened. Uh, anyway, uh, but I, that was so fun. I really enjoyed, that was like probably my favorite part of the movie, like him killing Snoke. And then both of them just like joining together. That was epic like and that was around the part where i thought the movie is going to end mm. you know like with, oh wow with okay laura don's yeah yeah like laura don's character doing that and uh like you know when she uh destroys the the bad ship yeah star destroyer uh, and um yes and <laughs> you know like then ray and uh kylo sort of like they have their moment, you know, after the fight, like when she doesn't go over to his side. So I really thought that was where it was going to end. Okay. I didn't think it was going to go on after that, which is why, like, it kind of, like, confused me after that because I'm like, that seemed like a really cool ending. And it goes and on for a long time after that, happened, too. You know? so when you, so, it's funny. Earlier when yeah, you were saying two endings or three endings, I thought you meant more you know, the, within the last 15 minutes. Okay, so you didn't expect a whole, basically a whole other hour. I really didn't. Uh-huh. I thought, like, because, you know, like, there was, the, the, the rebels were, like, going, escaping, and everything was happening, but then, like, things go, start going to shit, and I'm like, this is not where it will end, what? So it was, it was, it was I was really confused for quite a bit after that, thinking like, okay, now it's going to end. Okay, now it's going to end. Okay. So that's why it, it just like, that's why there are the reasons. But that, I mean, that itself was super cool. Mm-hmm. That whole scene. Yeah. I'm, yeah, from I, like the, the silent cut to like them, like joining forces to them, like getting, you know, like choosing their own sides. So all of that was epic. I think in a lot of ways, this movie was kind of about, scorching the earth and saying that we love everything this series has been and we love what everything that has come up until now but we want to move forward so every trope you expect and every structure point you expect we're throwing it out and and, and that was part of what that was is this guy who seems like he's the new emperor we're going to get done with him far sooner than you think we are going to. I mean, even right down to the way they were fighting, like seeing them take on those Imperial guards um, or those first order guards or whatever they're called now. Um, that was a, a fight sequence that I haven't really seen. Like even in the, the prequels, when you had, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker fighting side by side, they would never really be taking on an entire unit like that. So it was, it gets back to that chemistry we were talking about, right? Where you have two characters who yeah. have a strange connection and watching them fight. There was like, uh, I think Vulture just did a post about like how this is like the horniest Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> and they compared this fight, 
this fight scene to like you know how Buffy used to fight with like Angel and stuff. Yeah. You know, because there was like there's like a palpable chemistry and like like two sort of opposite sides getting together and kicking ass. Yes. So that that was like the thing, and plus like it had lightsaber, so it looked infinitely cooler. Of course. So, uh, that yeah, it was just that, that was that was. Apart from you, know, as I said, the um, Rose's sisters scene in the beginning—that is like the shot that I'm left with again. Like both of them side by side with the lightsabers out. That, that was epic. That was really, really cool. Yeah. Now uh, we, you know, we haven't mentioned it at all because I didn't even know it was coming. But Yoda's in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I, like- I, would, I again, this is where this is this is where my Star Wars like lack of knowledge comes into play because I'm like, wait, what? I was so confused when my brother had to like start explaining to me because I did not remember the whole thing with ghosts okay. in this movie. So I was I was genuinely very very confused when he first came, and right. my brother's like, "It's okay, that it happens. It's in Star Wars." I'm like, "Okay, fine." Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was that was that was. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of Yoda, so I don't know how. I feel. Well, he's just really weird. He is really weird, so, and and we're on you know we're on like our third or fourth version of Yoda now because he started out as this you know wise little goblin. And then in the prequels, he turned into something else. And for a minute there, he was this comic teacher that you, that that um, you know Luke finds on Dagobah. But the, we're kind of now got a new version of Yoda several generations later, who is looking at who Luke has grown into and is still saying, you know, it's great that you're having moments of introspection now, but you're still getting it wrong. And yeah, you know, Yoda <laughs> kind of coming in and helping him get his shit together was again, was just kind of one of those things that I really appreciated about this movie. I, that, I think because I did not expect it at all. I, I, I'd certainly closed the book on Yoda. Um, so to hear him speak and to hear how he was, you know, what he was saying to Luke and how he was saying, I, I laughed the hardest at this movie when he's talking about those Jedi texts and he call he says page yeah. turners, page turners. They are not, I, I, I've got, <laughs> you know, the bookstagrammer in me is going to use that one a lot. Um, I, I, I can't believe that Yoda was in this movie. Yeah. I really liked the scene though. Like as like, once I was done with the confusion, like, cause that's an important scene. It's like very, it's, I guess one of the main themes of the movies movie comes out in that scene about failure. And I really like that message from this movie uh, about you know accepting your failures and moving on. And like that's like that's the thing. Like you know, as much my whole issue with Luke was like he was a boring protagonist. Yeah. And I f- almost feel like this movie has like confirmed that for me. Like they are just like Skywalker's are done. Yeah. Let's just go with like the new people and. Yeah, so that was really cool for me because it was like there's so much of importance to this like incredibly boring character because of just like his name. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, I, and I like the I like that both Luke and Yoda kind of feel that way too. You know, so uh, and that scene shows that. I mean, it's funny because he is he is a pretty boring character uh, overall, and he is still a, he is still a whiny baby in a lot of ways. Um, but Luke, I, I was really drawn in by his 
his final appearance in this movie when he walks out of that bunker to do battle with the first order um first of all yeah how you know start the clock on when there's going to be a gif of him wiping rubble off his shoulder because i saw that shot and i'm like yeah i'm going to be using that one a lot um but that whole you know we talked about the battle of ray and uh kylo side by side watching kylo and luke do battle was the stuff of legend here's the thing i kind of guessed that luke wasn't there the moment he came right i'm like where did he get hair dye from so i was (laughs) i was the moment he came i'm like i really feel he's not there like this is some weird hologram astral projection shit happening yeah and also like the whole thing with the salt because like they made a point to like point out the salt i'm like i really think this is gonna come into play and i kept telling my brother that i don't think he's actually there so you know like it was really fun to watch, but I kind of knew what was happening in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I was with you. You know, like, it's funny when they, when they said, like, fire every shot at him and Luke just walks right through it. I thought, OK, there's something up like, you know, like you said, when he can take all that fire, he's either using the force in some ways that we really haven't thought of before or he's just flat out not there. And I, I mean, they did do some cool things with you know, having him there, but not there. And I, th- I still think that works. I, I still think it keeps the stakes yeah. where they need to be because he's doing something specific, right? He's not just trying to kill Kylo Ren. Cause what would that do when you still have a whole bunch of tanks behind him? And he's certainly not going to like, like yeah. he said himself earlier on in the movie, he goes, how am I going to take on the whole first order just by myself? What is my presence yeah. with you going to do? So I, I, I like that that's kind of the way of Luke figuring that out. Um, we also, of course, need to talk about the re- the revelation of Ray's parents and how yeah. that follows the revelation of who Kylo Ren was in The Force Awakens. These movies, again, they know the lineage that they're playing behind. They know that they're they're playing off of one of the biggest plot twists in film history. And it seems like time and again, they're trying to play these story beats, these rather big story beats as no big deal. When you were thinking of Ray's parents, did you have any inkling that it was just going to be like she says, like nobody's? I hope that it would be that. Really? I, cause I just thought, yeah, I did. I, like I, it just it see it would have been really convenient if it was anything else. Like if she was taking from the Skywalkers or from Han Solo or from any like any of the other main characters, you know. I just thought like I would it would have been. It, I really I'm I'm really happy that it happened because like I thought that would have been the best course of action to take with this character. So I was really happy when that happened, and that was like you know like these. It's really hard to watch anything nowadays without thinking of like the larger context of what's happening in the world. Yeah. And like with her thing between her and Kylo Ren about like, you know, destroying and the movie, you know, like it's kind of like it's bidding everything that that has the past goodbye and it's like it's moving forward. So I really like that because, you know, there is like I do think not just like you know like in the western space even in India like things are like regressing mm-hmm. so there is like you know you really need to let, let go of the past 
and like move ahead and i love that this movie kind of shows that but again like the way to do that is not through like kylo's way of like just destroying everything that came before you can't destroy his chase there you just have to accept it and become better which is like great so i really really love again that moment and that moment made me think of like the larger context of like when for lineage is It's it's funny too because we were saying before about how this movie seems to want to tear up a lot of what we've come to know a Star Wars movie to be and yet it's it's saying that you know it's it like like you said it's about moving forward and not being beholden to what has happened before so in doing tearing up what we know you know, it's it's allowing us to kind of reset our expectations and reset what we know a Star Wars movie to be. Like, you know, this whole chosen one narrative, like it is the one, you know, the one franchise that I will always sort of compare Star Wars to is Harry Potter because that was my Star Wars, basically. <laughs> you so, and my wife would get along really uh, yeah. well because she spent a lot of time last night trying to convince me that the last shot of this movie was a lot like the last shot in The Order of the Phoenix. By the way, I say bullshit. But um, but you and she would get along quite well. So, like, you know, but, like, that, the thing, again, like, you know, like, there is, it does get boring, the Chosen One narrative. I think Harry Potter, like, avoided that through the way that he was chosen. So it's it was again cool for me that she wasn't a chosen one you know she just has it she's good she just has the force in her so yeah. it was and I love the fact that she's not the chosen one Yeah me too <laughs> you know, she's I she's just automatically good Yeah I'm I'm happy. Yeah. I was relieved to find out that they're not twins I was relieved to find out that she's not Luke's daughter that she's not Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter um you know I didn't know who she was going to be but I think that this is probably the best answer to that is you are who you are and you just happen to be gifted um we mentioned earlier on that we, there were some other spoilery things that we wanted to talk about in terms of Ryan Johnson's involvement with this film I think what you and I are kind of both alluding to is the moment where um, Admiral Holdo jumps to light speed and rips the Star Destroyer in half. The way that entire yeah. sequence is handled, like in, in silence and in, in cuts, is yeah. it's like nothing short of incredible. It's nothing I ever expected to see in a Star Wars film. Amazing, which is why I thought it will end there. <laughs> like they can't top this. They cannot top this. I don't know, man. Did you that, not that see was, Luke walking up close. to all those? <laughs> that, that was a pretty good <laughs> way of trying to top it. It was cool. It was really cool. Like, and I, I, I love the visuals. As I said, of the last stuff, the whole salt thing, the red. Yeah. It, it was. It was glorious to watch. But that moment was like. I don't I yeah I guess it's not been any Star Wars movie because it's like it's a very like modern scene like, I can't imagine it being in any of the older Star Wars movies I have not seen the prequels but so that was it was it was just incredibly cool and like I just I loved that scene that was awesome It reminded me a lot of the kind of thing that Johnson would have done in Breaking Bad you know like He's the kind of person who can really understand the way silence can work and the way that, yeah. you know, a, like a cut can be violent um, and, and how these yeah. cuts are, are extremely violent. And we watch the sequence of events 
and then pull back and see the destruction and hear the destruction, you know, even though in space sound can't travel. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. And that like, it, it's, that might be the most iconic sequence out of this film. That's kind of loaded with iconic sequences. It sounds like the film is growing on you and that further watches will uh, kind of fuse a few of those uh, things that you don't like about it. By the way, I would also say if you've never seen the prequels, just keep it that way. There is nothing good waiting for you in those movies. I, 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 I know I knew I've always known that. Yeah. So as much as I love Ewan McGregor and I've watched a lot of shit for him. Yeah. Don't but do I just I really don't I don't care. Yeah, don't don't ever uh, do it. The, the 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 worst thing to ever happen in the movie was was a studio saying, Yeah, go go ahead, George, make whatever you want. Um so um there we go. That is The Last Jedi. We'll uh, we'll have some more fun in two years when uh, episode nine comes out. But for now we need to move on. Uh we're gonna turn the record over and play the other side right after this. We're back. She's Nick Hathzar. I'm Ryan McNeil. You're listening to episode 189 of the Matinee Cast. We've been talking all things Star Wars. We're going to turn the record over, play the other side, some further viewing if you enjoyed The Last Jedi and want to move on to some other movies. Nick, you can take first serve here. What was a movie that came to mind for you um, when you came away from The Last Jedi this week? Okay, so this was like insanely hard i know i i I had trouble with this myself and it's my show it was because it's 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 so weird i'm like it's not that original like why can't i think of movies you know and like and a lot of it like felt like i was like i trying to like stretch it a lot like like different elements i'm like good versus bad i'm like fight club no like why would you watch fight club after last year it makes no sense and like i'm like different storylines like you know like i was really like grasping at straws but the one that i have come like ended up with is and i can only think of one okay i could not think of more than one was um return of the king oh okay interesting why return of the king first of all because of the multiple endings yes in my opinion like that was the first movie that came into my head because for this thing because i was like multiple endings but it's not just that, you know, there is like, they're both obviously like super epic uh, movies and they're part of a trilogy and they know that there are lots of things. They're like different, the different uh, storylines within the one movie, how they all converge into one. And probably the most, apart from the different, uh, the multiple endings for me was like the fact like, which is my favorite, favorite, favorite scene in uh return of the king and i always cry when it happens is when you know when all of them bow down to the hobbits yeah in the end and in that in that way it's kind of like what this movie is showing is that you know greatness or like extreme goodness can come out of like nowhere you know from nobody you don't have to be a king or something the hobbits were like the most ordinary of like the middle earth creatures but they changed the course of like that whole battle and 
Jedi shows that, especially in the last scene, you know, like the last shot of that boy. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminded me of that. So in those ways, I mean, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but I think of like all the things that the last Jedi is like this has the most converging story points. I don't know. So yeah, that was the the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an interesting movie because um, I don't know if I and I probably now will remedy this soon along with watching seven days in hell and purple rose of cairo you're giving me a lot of homework <laughs> for this movie let me tell for this show let me tell you i don't know that i've actually watched the last king end to end since i saw it in the theater we own it um and 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 my wife watches okay. it a lot but because i came away from it kind of shaking my head at the multiple endings and then seeing it go on to basically dominate award season that year I don't think I ever came back to it. So a lot of it is actually kind of blurry in my brain. Um, But you're right. It's the structure is similar in the way that it's not just about the final battle, because in that movie you have the final battle and you have Frodo and Sam and, and Gollum off at the mountain. Right. Um, And how there, you know, there are great losses, but sometimes great losses serve a better good. Um, and I mean, that, that is another movie that, I mean, that movie has an end, but it's a movie that doesn't really have a beginning. Kind of like this movie doesn't have a, be- a proper yeah. beginning. I think also like stuff, stuff like lineage and all comes into it. Like Aragon was the chosen one mm-hmm. or like, you know, something like, uh, Faramir's like creepy dad doing things, you know, like there is like a whole, that aspect of it, but you know, like there is so much respect for the hobbits in the end because they did they didn't have like a stake in this whole thing but they still were part of it you know like they they sacrificed so much so i like i i like that's i always cry in that part uh so yeah that's a good one for sure um one of the ones that i thought of is it's kind of an easy pull but it's a movie that i think now plays even better in context um and it's because I consider myself more and more a fan of it as time goes on. Um, I was thinking about Rogue One, um, which, you know, if people don't know, it's the movie that's actually set before um, the original Star Wars from 1977 um, with um, with basically the plans for the Death Star getting pulled from the Empire and run to the um, Rebels. I consider myself a big fan of that movie. I consider myself a huge fan of what um, Jin Erso represents in this whole um, lexicon of, of Star Wars. Um, and I think that certainly that movie and this movie, again, show the value in what can happen when you take a loss. Um, Felicity Jones is the is the lead actress in that movie. I think that she and um, Daisy Ridley make a good match set, and at and at the same time don't play the same character. These are not two of the same tropes. They are two very very different characters. You you saw that movie, didn't you? It's so embarrassing. I fell asleep in it. <laughs> you, you like you were bored. I wasn't bored, but like it was kind of slow and I was sleepy and I fell asleep. But okay. I fall asleep in everything nowadays. <laughs> so I fell asleep at the end of Justice League. I fell asleep at the climax of Magnificent Seven, bit, like while they were all shooting at each other. Well, you know, you so podcast at 10.30 it's, it's, at night. So what should we expect? 
So yeah, so I felt I don't know. I really have to rewatch it. I felt really bad that I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> what I think. Well, I would listen. I would be curious to know what you think, because because it's a movie that's got its own flaws. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a perfect film, but kind of like this movie, it really moved the needle forward in terms of what Gareth Edwards brought to the story. Um, again, not being a J.J. Abrams-like storyteller, he told a very different tale, and I thought it worked really, really well for for Rogue One, and I think it makes a nice companion movie with um, with The Last Jedi. Another movie I thought of, actually, while we were talking is when you were talking about the, um, the visual of seeing... Um, a man and a woman fighting side by side is I actually also thought uh, that that would make a kind mm-hmm. of a fun little go-to is Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad and Angelina. Okay. No, I hear you laughing at me. I don't, it's just cause those, it's fun. Cause like, it's like the, the movies that I also thought of, I was like, but why would you watch that film after watching the last channel? Well, just, like, that would just be like a really, no, just for fun. You have your have your little film festival of of you know men and women fighting side by side and come up with a little uh, series for that okay. and that that that'd be what I I'd totally go to see that series of of couples that have to uh, fight their way in and out of places. Okay. No, not you. Okay, so it, it, I can like I love that movie. That movie was like very important to me when really? I was like thirteen years old because <laughs> so? I was thirteen and they were like really they were really hot. Oh, so well, it was yes. just like. Yeah, so it was important to me as a 13-year-old. But in that way, I think Fight Club can count, too. Okay. You want to know why? Well, <laughs> Because yeah. it's about... Like, I mean, Fight Club, you do got... Like, do, like, good and bad in a person, sort of. And also, it's about, like, reinstating a new world order. Huh. Which is why, like, that was, like, my huge stretch of thinking of, like, another movie. But I'm like, why would you watch Fight Club after Last Jedi? And I love Fight Club. I'm like, why would I watch Fight Club after this? I mean, but, you know, yeah. like, like again, Fight Club is about moving forward after a loss. So that that there's that one as well. I had a, truthfully, I'd actually thought about Seven because I thought about a movie where like nothing works out, but you still enjoy it. <laughs> so I, I thought that, I thought that was so good. no, you don't agree. <laughs> That's interesting. It's- it it makes sense. It, it, it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's it's like you're saying to me. Well, yeah, it works if you squint your eyes and tilt your head. It it does. That, but that's the thing with this film. Like nothing. No move. I couldn't think of any movie that you know, like really went with it. No, there's so many different elements in it. Yep. That it was really hard to think of a proper companion piece with it. Now the question, of it was course, so is... hard. I, I asked. The question, yeah. though, is, is that a good thing? Yeah, is no, it, I know. Like, it, that, that's, uh, that's what's going to take a lot of people a lot of time to really settle on is, you know, yeah. what, what this movie is I, out there to do. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, like, the part of, like, the frustration with it. Like, we, it's just, it, it's for me. Like, and I think this part of, of the podcast, like, kind of increased my frustration because I'm like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not, like, because I, I like, it's not like the best movie ever, right? It's not that original. So I was just getting really irritated with it. I'm like, but why? Why can't, like, why can't you be one thing, you know? Cause, so, yeah. but I really, really want to, like, rewatch it and, like, properly enjoy all the elements of it again. I now that. that I know where it's going to and where it's going. Yeah. 
I, I totally get that. And, and I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I think is going to, um, give us something to look forward to as we move ahead with this movie and see where it settles, where it kind of comes in everything about it. Um, because it's kind of so hard to nail down. I do love also, by the way, that I was able to kind of take you through the gamut of emotions as this show went on and have you, you know, okay, I'm coming around, I'm coming around. And then I just basically threw it right back and threw you off kilter again. Um, Hey, listen, that's what my podcast is out to do, right? Okay. Where do you think the next one is going to start? Because I really think it's going to again, have a time jump because they have to like, do something about Leia, right? Like, yeah, they're, I, mean, I think that's actually going to work in their favor. They will move ahead in time for the next one, but the difficulty now is yeah. going to be like the grownups are all gone. Uh, where, where, where this whole story goes from here through both accident and whatever they have planned. I am deeply, deeply curious because along with the fact that it just proved yeah. I can't outguess these storytellers because every guess I had about this story, this movie coming in was dead wrong. Um, along with that, now we're 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 kind of out of original cast. So what we do yeah. now is I, I have no clue. I have no idea. It's you know these these three movies are meant as a trilogy, so it needs to wrap it up. So I'm kind of planning on a happy ending. If it doesn't, I'd be really surprised. Mm. But beyond that, how they get there and what they do to get there, no idea. Yeah, who's who's directing it? They gave it back to J.J. Abrams. It was going to be Colin Trevorrow for a few years, and then oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he never turned in scripts that they liked, so Disney fired him. Um, so they've given it back to J.J. Abrams, um, and uh, yeah, I you know whatever whatever he's doing, he's he's going ahead with it. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. That's so confusing. Yeah, I you know I here's the. Th- I do sort of though wish that it was going to somebody different. Like I think that they made the safe play yeah. when Trevorrow didn't work out and they gave it back to JJ Abrams. Um, but I wish exactly. Disney had done something different and, and at least at the very least, even just given it to Gareth Edwards and saying, well, we liked what you did with rogue one here, do episode nine and we'll figure mm-hmm. out what to do next time. I, I, are you excited for the other Ryan Johnson star Wars movies? I, I gotta be honest, I haven't really thought that far ahead. Um, my brain has kind of been on Han Solo now, yeah. which I'm looking, for, I'm looking more forward to that. Part of me does want Ryan Johnson to go on and do some more Ryan Johnson stuff. I don't really want him to be locked into Star Wars world forever. Oh, I, like, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if I want him to do a trilogy, but like I don't know anything about Obi-Wan because I did watch the prequels. Yeah. So I would be like interested in that character, but like I don't know if I want like a trilogy of that character. It kind of feels like, like the whole Fantastic Beasts thing, you know? Like, why do you need to keep doing the same thing? Yeah, kind of thing. I, I, I'll be so, happy. Han Solo, I'm really interested in. Yeah, I, I'd be happier if Ryan Johnson was doing something like something on the side of this universe, something you know ahead in this universe. I don't want to go backwards that much mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah we, we've, we've we've done that and even as much fun as i had with rogue one i don't want to keep on doing that 
Um, but that's all the time we have for episode 189 of the Matinee Cast. Um, it's the end of the year, everybody. So um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Solstice, whatever you celebrate, whatever you do not celebrate. Um, please be well, be safe. Come on back on December 31st, New Year's Eve, for episode 190. I'd love to keep you company while you get ready to go out and have your fun and ring in 2018. It's the end of the year episode. We'll be counting down our top fives and we'll be bringing back some familiar guests. So I'm very excited. Um, Nick can be found with her uh, sisters in arms on the Across the Universe podcast. What's the next show you guys have coming up? Okay. Uh, it's uh, movies about movies. Cool. Like movies about filmmaking because it's uh, d- uh, Disaster Artist came out. So it's All a top right. three movies about movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And are you, are you guys doing a year-end show as well? We'll do ours in Jan. We'll do our usual, like, best movies that we saw this year that weren't from this year because all the really good movies don't release right, right. within the year itself for us. Come on, man. It's a global yeah. economy. So Hollywood's we'll be doing that. On that. I know. It's so annoying. My life is, like, at a standstill because I have not watched Lady Bird yet. Oh boy! Nothing matters until I've seen it. I Nothing can't, matters. I cannot anymore. wait. Um, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? At uh, Nikhat underscore Z cool. or Z. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Pocket Cast, Google Play, You're Welcome, Paulo, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, and the Apple Podcast app, as well the iTunes Store. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback about The Last Jedi any of the films we mentioned on the other side or anything else you want to talk about can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Any final thoughts, Nick? Uh, porgs are random. <laughs> tasty, tasty porgs for Nick. I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee. <laughs>